Welcome to the Association 4.0 podcast, your association's no-fluff playbook to navigating and thriving in Industry 4.0 or the digital marketplace. Each week, we bring expert insights to help you and your association stay ahead of the curve. Hello, my name is Sherry Budziak, and I am the host of the Association 4.0 podcast. I am also co-founder of .org Community and founder and CEO of .org Source, a consultancy to associations. Today, my guest is Patrick Dorsey. Patrick is Senior Vice President of Marketing at Impexium. He is responsible for the positioning, demand generation, CRM, and automated marketing initiatives, as well as integrated marketing efforts for Impexium, Bill Highway, and Greek Bell. Patrick has contributed articles to Marketing Professionals, Destination CRM, Association Now, and various other association and CRM industry publications and blogs, and is a frequent speaker at industry conferences such as ASAE Annual, ASAE Tech Conference, and Digital Now. Welcome, Patrick. Thanks for joining me again today. Thank you, Sherry. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you and, and excited to be able to talk to you today. So for our um, listeners, why don't you tell us a little bit about Impexium and more about your background? Well, of course. So uh, thank you very much for the, the generous and kind intro. Uh, so so I've been in the association space for 20 plus years, um, primarily working with membership management, AMS uh, type solutions, date, large database solutions. Um, and Impexium is, is in the latest line of that. Impexium uh, is a SaaS-based, you know, multi-tenant uh, membership management platform built on Microsoft. So we're able to take advantage of, of that great, uh, if you will, innovation and technology, you know, Power Automate, Power BI, all these great tools uh, that Microsoft is, makes available to us, as well as leveraging a lot of the tools we use every day, from Outlook integrations to the the various desktop applications that we'd use it, um, you know, in our daily lives to manage our members and conduct business. Um, and as you mentioned in the bio, in my kind of intro, you know, we work. Um, I oversee not just Impexium's business, but also our Bill Highway, which is our fraternal. Uh, and chapter management business, as well as our Greek build business, which again, provides uh, solutions to help fraternities, sororities, um, and fraternal orgs manage their business as well. That's great. Well, I invited you today for us to have a conversation around technology and culture. And technology and culture really aren't two words that people typically see together. Um, but you and I uh, recently collaborated on a paper exploring how those two very different realms intersect. So I thought we could chat today about some of these themes um, and want to hear your thoughts on the relationship between technology and culture and how your thinking evolved over the last couple of years. Well, thank you. I, I think it's a great topic and probably one that many organizations, many executives think about, but they don't necessarily connect those two words, right? Because they're always thinking about how can we leverage technology to be more efficient, more effective? And, and certainly, what can we do from a cultural standpoint to make sure that our organization is healthy, is future forward, is taking advantage of, 
of, um, if you will, all these different technology advantages that might actually improve culture. And I think the most successful organizations, the ones that we see, many of the ones we work with, are able to take those two things from a technology standpoint and look at how they can use it to leverage and actually, if you will, improve their culture or maintain a culture that is healthy as well. And I think the end benefit there is it going to be a positive reflection on their members and overall business? Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know if I remember telling you the story or not, but um, last summer I received a call from a CF, CFO, COO of a mid-sized organization, and he was having problems with his AMS and the vendor that was supporting it. And he, um, when we were talking about his kind of journey looking for a new AMS, then he got busy. And then a couple of months later, he called me again and he said, oh, you know, we need to work on this. And then people were quitting. And then a couple of months later, he called me again and he said, Sherry, I keep losing staff and they're all complaining about the technology. And so then he was in this situation where it was, okay, I don't have any staff to help me move to new system, but then they're all quitting because of their challenges working here and the technology. So Anyway, so something that, you know, I heard and I, you could understand that it was really impacting, you know, the impacting his culture. Well, that's a, and that's a great story. And I think one that we see play out and whether you want to talk about like the great resignation, right? We've all heard that term, but I think what you touched on was about expectations, right? And I think when you just look at over the last couple of years, a lot of our expectations of what how to leverage technology, how we look at our work environment from a cultural standpoint have changed, right? Talking about the obvious in COVID, but I even think it's broader than that, right? Because when you look at all these different technologies that we're interacting with in our daily lives, right? From just a consumer standpoint, we have some expectations. It should be fast. It should be easy. One or two, three clicks, right? I mean, Sherry, I'm old enough to notice, like when you remember, like a new movie came out, you had to stand in line to actually yeah. get <laughs> Now we can order tickets like online. We pick our seat and popcorn is delivered to our seat. <laughs> yeah. It's a totally different expectation. And staff have that. Our members have that as well. Right. So if you are not, if you are not as kind of the executive director or an executive in an association, allowing your staff to work with those same conveniences, they're going to be frustrated, right? Because I think it's inherent to at everyone's core. They want to be successful. They want to be productive, right? They want to provide value. And if technology is hindering that and not enabling that, it creates a frustration that negatively impacts culture. And it's going to be felt throughout the organization. It's going to be felt by your members as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, so what do you feel are the biggest misconceptions association professionals have about technology needs? Well, I, you know, I think of like, you know, technology almost is like something that forces people to like roll their eyes. It's like a four letter word, right. In that sense yeah. where, where, and it's also like an expense, right. You know, um, where I think you have, where, you know, the more successful organizations are looking at technology as an investment, right? And if we can look at that as an investment and we can tie it to outcomes, right? Then we can look at how best to leverage it, 
right? As opposed to it being a hurdle that we need to create workarounds to the workarounds, right? Mm -hmm. And and whether that's that and that applies in a more kind of one-to-one relationship, what technology am I using right now? An AMS, my learning management, but in the broader sense of how are they all working together, right? Mm-hmm. So how is it helping me uh, better understand what's working and what's not working? How is it providing more an automated experience so I'm not doing mundane tasks that, you know, cut and paste data from one database to the other. Like, those are the things that kind of gnaw at you and be like, I'm too busy working to do my job, right? Like, I want to actually provide impact. I want my members to be successful. Why am I cutting and pasting or, you know, as they like to say, the quote unquote, faux automation, right? Like, it's not really automated on the back end. Um, And that where technology can help that is like, it can eliminate all these things so people can work on the things that not only provide the most impact from an organization standpoint, but also provide them like a personal impact of like, I achieved something. I'm excited about it. I worked with these members. I worked with my colleagues. I was able to mentor, you know, different staff so that they also feel that personal success as well. And I think you have to balance that as opposed to those that are when technology is not enabling that it becomes like a negative connotation and everybody's mm-hmm. struggling and fighting with it. And I, I think we see that in our world as kind of a, you know, a membership management and AMS platform. I'm sure you see that from a consultant standpoint of like the ones that are able to leverage technology and create like a frictionless business uh, with data and, and how those technologies talk to each other are generally the ones that are going to be successful, have a higher retention rate of staff, you know, might have a, 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 are growing in the sense of membership and revenue versus those that are not, right? And when they're hiring, that's what people want. That's the environment they want to work in, yeah. right? When you think about the other challenge, well, from a COVID of, of maybe like where many of us are working remote, right? I think it just adds a layer if technology is frustrating and then you're remote, it's even more frustrating, right? Mm-hmm. Because you kind you kind of feel helpless of like, oh my God, how do I do that? How, who's going to help me? Right. So you really have to build in, you know, whether it's from a training standpoint, how you're implementing that technology within your orgs. So I think that requires a lot of us to work with the vendors that we're choosing too and hope that they're equally you know, a partner and how can we make this work for us, right? Um, I know at Impexium, I'm, I'm in charge of purchasing uh, and implementing a lot of the technology we use. And that's key, right? Because adoption, right? And so we try to provide those same best practices when we're implementing an AMS, because we realize it's it's a different ballgame. It's a different playbook than one we even had three to four years ago. Yeah. And you made a really good point of the remote work, which reminded me of a a quick story. I I remember when I started the consultancy 17 years ago and I was working at home and all of a sudden technology, my laptop wasn't working, whatever was happening. I was like, wait, I can't scream down the hall for the IT guy anymore. Like you got to figure it out yourself. And so that takes time and you lose productivity and and all those types of things. Um, To your point, you know, that can create more frustration for staff. Um, so kind of a little bit um, a different to- different topic sort of is um, 
you know, we're seeing a lot of increased competition across the marketplace for associations. And how do you feel that for-profit or other competitors changed operational priorities in the way associations need to position themselves? Well, I, I think it's, and I've heard this at various conferences and industry events, right, that, that many people have said associations need to start thinking like a business and, and acting like, you know, a commercial or corporate America. And, and I often wondered, like, what does that mean? Or, or how do they think that's being interpreted? And for me, I, I don't think it necessarily means that, oh, you're doing something wrong, right? Or I don't think associations are doing something wrong. What I think it goes back to something we, we just touched on earlier was is about expectations. And when you think about that, many of my clients, many of your clients, their members are also, you know, if you will, customers of Bank of America, you know, Amazon, you name it, all the, all the big Fortune 50 brands. So they have this expectation of, of how they're going to interact with technology. And we need to, we need to have that, meet that same expectation, right? In the sense of frictionless, how smooth it is. And I think it also is impacting us in a way of like when we're hiring, right? And people are coming from those environments, they equally expect that when the, the tools that they are using in their day-to-day job you know, we'll have that same experience. We'll, again, allow them to meet their objectives. They're not going to be fighting that technology because you're right, there may be more resources. There's more defined resources, perhaps, in the, their previous corporate or commercial environment where they did have someone down the hall in IT to be like, hey, help me fix this, right? Or help me, what's wrong with this report? And we need to think about that from an expectation standpoint in the kind of environment we want to create because that environment in a way helps define that culture. Right. And I think that's the new definition of culture. Like, you know, I think some people think of cultures like, Oh, you know, what, what, what are we, what kind of, what are we going to do for the holiday party? Or, and are we going to wear like crazy sweaters or we going to bring, who's bringing in candy for Halloween. And that's certainly important. I'm, I don't, I'm not being dismissive of that, but when you think about culture day in and day out, there's a very human element in the human interactions um, from how we're interacting with our staff, how we're interacting with our members. And, and that's what really gets us out of bed every day to be like, hey, I'm excited, you know, and, and I got a full day ahead of me and I'm going to tackle those tasks and I'm going to be widely successful doing it. So, Patrick, it, I'm, I'm starting to think about, you know, one of the things is that you touched on is how technology um, can support finding the best and the brightest talent. I mean, what what do you think about that? And how does talent then play in creating member value for associations? Well, you know, I I think talent, recruiting and retaining talent is, is critical to driving value for the associations, right? Because when, if you, you can look at it as a cost standpoint, like, Every time we hire someone, it's an investment, right? We're we're investing in that individual, and and when they leave, and and sometimes I mean sometimes people leave. It's great they grow, they go to a new job, but if if they're leaving, 
because of the environment, because of the culture, because they don't feel they're in their best position to be successful, right? Then it then it is it is disruptive. It's time consuming and it's expensive, right? And it also I think just creates a bad vibe throughout the organization, right? Like mm-hmm. why is so and so leaving, right? Like and and you can't you can't lose track of that, and and you don't want it to become some like downward spiral. And so, again, when we, when we think about not only can technology help us, and I think in this new COVID world, it makes it critical, right? Because we're not necessarily maybe tied to our office and the geographic perimeter around our office to recruit. So, in in other words, it's it's the competition to hire and recruit someone and retain them is a you know across states. I, I have on my team of six, I have we're in five different states, right? And that's great. And 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 but I it also makes me very acutely aware that like they're not just being recruited by companies or associations in DC now. It, they're being recruited from coast to coast, right? right? If not beyond our borders. And so I want to make sure that their their environment they're working with the tools that they have are supporting their growth, their personal growth, their career growth. Um, and I don't feel it's a competition, but, and I don't think I I was or, or any of us to imply that wasn't important before. I think it's just kind of raised the importance of that, that we need to be aware of that because, you know, to a certain extent, I expect it too from my own consumer, right? We, we all want to be in that type of environment. Yeah. And so how do you feel culture, um, employees' expectations of culture has changed over the last few years? And how does technology impact or change those new values? I know that my daughter's entering the workforce now. She's graduating from college on Saturday. And, um, you know, they talk a lot about culture and what the culture of the company is. Um, and they're looking up those things, trying to figure that out online, even before they're talking and getting screened for an interview. It, it's 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 kind of interesting to see, very different than when I was looking for a job. <laughs> well, one congratulations. That's uh, that's a great accomplishment. And um, and and having having met your daughter, met both of you, daughter, I know I know she's going to be great in whatever she chooses next. So congratulations. Um, but you're right, right? I. You and I, when we were entering the job force, right, we were, we were, we might have chose like the brand name, like, cause, oh, cause that's a big company, right? And, yeah. and, uh, and someone said, oh, why, why would you not want to work for them? Right. And it, it, we thought it would be great training and a resume builder. And it's, and the competition now is, it's, it's not that black and white, right? People are looking, um, perhaps more of the makeup of the company, which uh, includes the culture and, and their vision and their their purpose and maybe the community they're supporting and all those factor in. And and again, in your daughter's case, like she might not be necessarily tied to a certain geographic area around her college or university or, you know, around home, right? If, if she moves back to the area, she can work anywhere, right? So she's going to be able to say, these are the companies in that really appeal to me because she has done that research from a cultural standpoint, because they have created that environment, you know, or they've created that culture that she feels that's the type of organization I want to work for. They're supporting this type of mission. Mm-hmm. All of those things are positive. And she's going to have the choice 
right? To necessarily reach out to them where before, you know, it's like, well, I don't want to drive over 45 minutes. So I'm going to have to draw a circle around these things. Or, you know, if I'm in the DC, I'll take in the Metro or Chicago, I'll take in the train. And that kind of determined our candidates for a job where, where I think it, like we've opened more doors. And when I think about when equally, when we're recruiting people, we have to know that they're not just looking at salary anymore. They're not looking at title, the cultural aspect of the organization, the DNA of the organization and who they support may be at the top of that list outside of those other elements. So, um, a little bit on a different kind of note, can you give me some examples on how you feel that data automation and customization can really enhance an organization's culture? Well, yeah, I mean, what what we've heard from many of our clients at Impexium, right, where, we, where we've been able to leverage, you know, tools, you work automation, you know, business processes, um, through, you know, different technologies like Microsoft's Power Automate is it really has streamlined a lot of their work efforts. Like like we we joke about like the the top 10 mundane things I used to do, right? And, and if we can automate a lot of those tedious tasks, it it frees up time for individuals to work on, you know, if you will, more critical elements, what's important, right? And and when they're working on those strategic initiatives, generally they're going to feel better about their job. It's less robotic. It also encourages human interaction, right? Because you're you're even if it's out over Zoom, right? You're still kind of whiteboarding as opposed to having your head down in an Excel spreadsheet. You can't see me, but like I got these thick glasses now that I didn't used to have when I joined the corporate because I I'm, I got lost in too many Excel spreadsheets and you know, <laughs> crunching data, right? And and when when you can automate that, it one it's going to create a better work environment, and I think people expect that because they don't, you know, when you when you pick up your your iPhone, right? Like it's pretty simple. Click here, click here. It's not very tedious, right? You're not you're not going through all these hoops to to make a purchase or you find data. And so we want to do the same thing. And and then when you can take those, you know, best practices through workflow automation and also create a more, you know, if you will, smoother experience for your members, right? That's generally going to help elevate, you know, from a cultural or perception standpoint of the organization as well. And I think all those different points are just kind of like, again, all different ingredients that go into the big picture, right? And you need them all to be working, maybe all not at the same speed, but they're all critical elements, right? And that's where technology, in this case, automation, um, is a critical ingredient of building that human experience that generally make people excited, right? And and then, you know, then, then they're even more so excited to wear that like silly sweater at the holiday party, right? Yeah, yeah. For sure. Um, so, Pedro, do you have any stories that, about how IT has improved employee morale and performance? Yeah, you know, in I, I'll share some experiences at Impexium where we've just kind of leveraged some 
some already like commercial tools, but we built them into, you know, our workflow and from a day-to-day business experience and where we have some recognition programs where we're able to, you know, give a shout out to different employees and reward them with everything from like a Starbucks, you know, a gift card to making a donation on their behalf. And, and what, what, how we've used it is one, it kind of breaks down the walls of right, right. We're like three different companies across, you know, a coast to coast. Literally, I got an office in Virginia. We have office in Michigan. We have an office in in the greater LA area, right? And all of a sudden, it's not that small. When you say, "Hey, what a great job someone's doing," even if they're in another department, you kind of it's a, it lets you informs you about what other individuals within your organization are working on, and you see that they're being rewarded and celebrated. Um, and it, it makes us maybe not seem so big, but smaller and certainly unites us to be all working for the, you know, the same mission, right? We, we're all working on, on behalf of our clients. Um, and it's equally, you know, on a, on a more individual level with my own team, you know, being able to reward them and let the, the company know, hey, here's what marketing's doing. Here's, you know, here's what we did at this event. Here's what we did last month to to drive, you know, pipeline and top of the funnel things. And where we've just leveraged that technology to make us, if you will, a more cohesive unit within the team, but also bring the company together and share uh, some best practices about what's working, what's not, reward those individuals that are doing a super job. And then we don't feel as remote, right? And, And again, Again, like, you know, as you know, you, you manage people, you, you run a, you know, a well-oiled machine. Like when people see other people doing these great things, they're like, Hey, I want to do that. Right. I want to be, I want to, I want to help my clients the same way. Right. And that it becomes a great learning opportunity and, you know, uh, you know, everybody benefits. Yeah, that's great. So what advice would you give association leaders for success over the next few years? You know, I, I think. I think what 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 hopefully is is a takeaway here is like you can't just say oh we have this new technology and it's going to improve our culture right I think yeah. I think it becomes you you know if you build it they will not necessarily come right you and I we 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 both understand that from the association standpoint we I think what we need to do is look at we all all technology has to be behind a strategy, right? It needs a strategy first. And how can technology then support that initiative? And if one of the issues is culture, right, then we have to look at, okay, where do we feel culture can improve? And then how can we leverage our existing technology? Maybe there's a change management element we need to take a step back and look at. Maybe it's about that workflow automation. How can we create, a, a, you know, a better management of data, you know, so that people are being more productive. Uh, you know, what it was the cliche of work smarter, not harder. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and then I think when we can address those type of initiatives and then make sure that they're connected to a, a outcome, a cultural outcome, then we feel then, then it makes sense. Right. If we just say, Hey, we're going to do this and not be deliberate um, and have a strategic kind of, steps to get there, then I think you'll you'll be frustrated like with any technology and implementing any technology or trying to achieve any goal. Yeah, because I, I mean, I see from obviously on the consulting side, we'll come into projects or that are kind of 
already in flight and there's frustration, um, staff's overwhelmed, but there's things that they have and there's tools at their organization that can really help alleviate some of their pain points, right? Like they have a project management system, but no one's trained them on how to use it. So they're not using it. So things are staying in people's email. They've got collaboration tools in their Office 365, but they're not utilizing them to collaborate. Or they've implemented an an AMS, um, but 50% of their staff's new and they've never been trained. So there's frustration all over um, because they haven't utilized the tools to create a more positive culture around as you've talked about kind of productivity and collaboration and all these things. And, um, and there's a lot of opportunities there and it's just kind of looking at things a little bit different, right? Just kind of like thinking a little bit different about um, how you're working it and how those tools can enable and, and support a positive culture. that. And, and whether it's implementing a new technology or just any, any strategic initiative company-wide is you need to find a champion. And many times that champion needs yeah. to be at the executive level because if the executive's not bought in and sh- leading by example, then it's like, hey, I bought this new technology, go roll it out. And, and there's no context for people. And, you know, we, we you know, it, in March, right, when we, I was at one of um, your events, right? And the emergency nurses, you could see from the executive level, right? The executive director, the CEO, when they were talking about changes within their organization and cultural changes and, and that about a new office, right? Like she was leading by example, right? And she was championing these efforts. And, and ultimately, she said, I knew if my staff was behind me, we were going to support our members. And so you could see her play, right, in her in her desired outcome. But like that was at the top, literally, figuratively, at the yeah. top, saying, "This is what we're gonna do," and I'm gonna lead by example. And you need those champions, right? They, it doesn't always have to be the ED or the CEO, but you need a champion that is going to lead that charge and lead by example. And and it again, typically, it should be. I feel it should be at the executive level, right? So that everybody sees that this is important, right? And yeah. it's not just it's not just mandated. Oh, here, you know, like the worst thing for us is like we bought a new AMS, go implement it. And the staff is like, I got a day job, right? Yeah. <laughs> we're we're busy. But if they know it's tied to, hey, we're gonna work, allow us to do things smarter, allow us to be more efficient. It's allow us to drive more value through our members. And and that's always being championed from the top, right? it's going to be an easier path for them and not just to implement, but then to continually use. And I feel that analogy can be used through any initiative across the company. So Patrick, I'm going to ask you one more question as we wrap up, Um, but I'm going to give my thoughts first and then, and then I'll, I'll turn it to you. So the question is, how would you like to see associations evolve in the future? Mm -hmm. And one of the things that on the flip side of what you just talked about, it just, a thought came to me was, you know, I get calls of Sherry, we've got this strategic plan and everything has an IT component and we don't know what to do and how to implement it. And what I would like to see associations do for the future is bring those partners to the table 
bring your your technology folks, whoever it might be, those operational people that can help you with the operational side of the strategy, be a part of those discussions because I think that does hinder growth. So that's my answer to it. But yeah. now I'll turn it over to you to kind of wrap up your final thoughts for today. Right. Well, I, I think I think that's a valid point. And I'll, and I'll kind of piggyback on that a little, right? Like a lot of times, like as, as you pointed out, when people come and say, like, here's our problem, right? And they're kind of talking about today. Here's what we're doing today and it's not working. And where I think it allows us to be successful as an AMS, as a membership management platform, is we want to talk in outcomes. And if our associations are able to talk about like, here's our desired outcome, not just what's not working today, but here's where we want to be in the future here. And then to your point, well, maybe we need to bring in our learning management company, right? Maybe we need to bring in um, you know, the community platform, because we're all committed to working towards that outcome. And inevitably, as all these solutions work together and data is moving from one platform to the other, right, we all need to be, if you will, on the same page of, of those business rules, those business logic, so we can support that desired outcome, right? But by, by talking just necessarily about the pain points per se, and not necessarily about this like, hey, in the future, here's what we're trying to achieve, right? They need to elevate the conversation because I think that puts everybody in a better uh, opportunity to solution, right? And ultimately, if we're there and we can agree upon these are the steps we need to take to achieve that desired outcome, I think we're going to have a higher level of buy-in, adoption, and ultimately success. It might put you consultants out of business, but I'm sure you guys will pivot and find something new. <laughs> Always find something to do. <laughs> well, Patrick, I appreciate your great advice today and your time. And thanks to our listeners. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. And to learn more about culture and technology, uh, as we kind of started out this podcast, um, saying that we have a uh, white paper on this similar topic saying making the connections that matter. And you can find that um, on our website at www.orcommunity.com or um, at Impaxium um, as well. And Patrick, if our listeners wanna contact you, uh, where can they uh, find more information about yourself and Impaxium? Well, one, impexium.com is a great resource for a lot of best practices, tips and tricks, upcoming webinars, case studies, client testimonials, uh, as well as various like white papers and educational resources. I encourage you to visit there. Um, it's a great tool. If anyone wants to reach out to me specifically, I'm also available. Can you find me on the website as well and all my contact information? I'd love to continue the conversation or connect you with any one of um, you know, my different connections throughout the industry, uh, if it would help as well. Great. Well, thank you so much again um, for today and I'll talk with you soon. Thank you very much, Sarah. I enjoyed it. We hope you enjoyed this episode and discovered tips and information that will add value to your leadership style and your association. Org Source specializes in positioning teams for success with solutions for technology, strategy, and marketing. 
please contact us at info at orgsource.com or visit www.orgsource.com to find out how to keep your organization on track to Association 4.0.